about getting comfortably uncomfortable how so once you let's say if you would have planned for culture and saying but as a leadership how do you really uh, start to get comfortably uncomfortable what are some of the 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 takeaways for from one of some of the suggestions that you would have uh, for fm leaders yeah and if i look think back to some of the the contracts in asia hmm. probably about 10 years ago and this is when it was in the the F, the financial sector you know and the change was coming from from the uk europe and america into to singapore hmm. and and the these these contracts that were being put out by the customers but obviously with um support of these consulting bodies that we spoke about earlier hmm. that absolutely uh, made everyone in the organization really really uncomfortable to the point saying do we really want to to bid for this now you know thankfully we had leadership which said okay let, let's let, let's do it because this is you know it's not going to go away most likely we have to be in there we have to learn from it and of course we eventually won some of these tenders hmm. and then of course the internal challenge came saying you know how can we make this work we can't make it work it's we're going to lose money this is you know we're locked in for, for five plus years you know what have you done hmm. to us jj hmm. but but um ultimately the that uncomfortable feeling at all levels uh changed as soon as you started saying actually here's how we can do it this is the way forward by in by you know introducing this technology by using this type of data we can actually make this work hmm. and so you know human nature generally makes things work when you've given right. no other option but to make it work so um i think that's a a great way to get comfortable getting uncomfortable that's awesome <laughs> um, man i mean I- Yeah. I, I, I like like to be said that human at the end of the you, I mean when you put someone in a spot of a position where they have no other way they probably find a way out from there so I mean if you could probably uh, I'm just kind of uh, eager to put in a couple of points that JJ I'll just because this point is so valid so one of the ways we could you could do that potentially is on an existing contract internally think that you're running an output based contract or a performance driven contract I mean why you may not be think you may not be delivering on that and you run a parallel process uh with the team that we spoke once once you get the team of champions in in that sense so which which you've selected a site and you say okay this is these are uh this is a site and we'll talk more about how to select the right site where you want to uh get the change driven but once you've selected that site you have the champions ready you actually run a parallel process thinking that you are actually running an output based contract or a or a performance based contract over here and then you start to understand the gaps so you're not under any obligation and hence as you said uh, jj you push yourself to a slight corner uh take a different a different view and, and and start to see the gaps that exist in the in the process and the best part is that you do not effectively uh have to worry about the gaps right now but just figure them out and and that could be a way to make yourself as as, as we've been saying to make yourself slightly comfortable getting uncomfortable would would love to know your thoughts on that yeah and the other thing is you know and you're right about selecting the right site the right customer and so on I mean, if you don't do that then you know it's just going to be uh difficult for everyone and more painful than what it needs to be hmm. so you know where you have an existing contract with a customer where there is mutual respect and trust then this is the way to to sort of make that leap of faith and really it's not really a leap of faith but it's you know that's the, the perception um you know engaging with 
the emerging mm. um, technical providers. There's so many, uh, you know, we don't want to have to say it's startups, but there's so many organizations, companies that are coming right. through uh, that, you know, if, if you're connected with these organizations, uh, they can be part of the solution for the more, you know, the, the leading FM companies. Right. And, and when that happens, that's when the, the change happens. And, and there really is from a customer perspective and to some extent from a, an internal perspective, there is no real risk and, and there are huge, uh, you know, benefits and upsides for everyone. So I think, you know, that's probably if you talk about the, the framework and the, the route to, to this transformation, hmm. I think that's probably one of the, the easiest ways. But it's not to say that the whole, all of your customers are not going to be, uh, you know, be able to do this. It's about selecting the right ones at the right time, engaging with the right uh, strategic right. partners right. that can come along the journey with you. Right. And that's when, you know, the, the change actually becomes fun. Absolutely, I mean, because you're not going to do do that with everyone at, at the same point in time. So that's that's there. You only have to start with a few. But just uh, what are some of the attributes that you would look at, JG, while you're trying to select a particular contract or a customer? So first is let's let's break it. One, a customer, a couple of softer aspects or aspects that you would look at from, from the customer point of view and saying this is going to be a good customer to start thinking about innovation. And, and within that, how do you decide on what contract? Uh, that you could yeah so, so so as i mentioned before you know i think um and, unless uh you see that the customer sees you as a, an absolute promoter mm. um you know and where you have mutual trust if you haven't got that everything else doesn't matter so um you know if if you happen to do formal nps surveys that's that's a great way to do that but you shouldn't have to do that you should know very quickly mm. these are the customers where they just uh, you know ask advice from us continue asking for support these are the customers where you can actually go to them and have that have this discussion open transparent discussion about this is what i'm planning to do this is what we believe the outcomes will be this is how we're going to get there um you know i, I have been involved with all, with companies that say i hmm. hear you jj I, I know that i trust you but you know um, what can we do to make sure that this does turn out the right way so right. by implementing you know a very clear project plan by having regular updates on how you're progressing um, is a great way to sort of take them on the journey, make them a part of the, the journey as well. Um, I think that's, that's really important. Hmm. The, the other thing is, um, you know, um, economies of scale. So, you know, sites where there are, if you wanted to talk about where there's a lot of headcount, this hmm. is probably where you can actually get um, a lot of the benefits, a lot of the, the efficiencies through technology and machinery and data. So I think that's really important as well. Hmm. Um, so, and then, and then, yep, you go. No, so effectively, what I what I am hearing from you is that one, uh, you know, pick up those customers who have sort of a genuine love for technology, or at least who appreciate you and the value addition that you bring on board. So they would obviously make for a for a great partner when you're trying to do the change. Is is what I hear from you. And, and the second is is uh, a very interesting point that you mentioned is that make them part of the journey and not just keep them up like don't just update them at the end of everything and say this is how it went right so did i hear did i get you correctly when you say that you make them yeah part? that you have summed it up really well as always you mm -hmm. you've, you've uh, summed it up perfectly awesome man you were making another point i cut you in between yeah i look there's this a lot of uh, a lot of other points to, to to cover but in the interest of time we won't be able to go through mm. all of them um but yeah, I think um, it's about being open to to uh, 
the, the, the technologies that are available and tapping into the right organizations. Um, and and that if you have those strategic alignments, partnerships in place, then you know everyone is working in sync. Um, so yeah, that's probably uh, I'll leave it. it at that. That's, so, but how do you select the contract, JJ? Like you may be with the same customer, so you, would you would you typically look at a, a contract which is probably a long term contract, or let's say, I mean, there are different kinds oh, of contracts. Yeah. yeah. So, you, you, are you almost verging onto the next four four C's, as in contract term? Yes, and saying that once you have identified the customer, <laughs> yeah. what contract on what contract would you typically want to even think of doing some change? Yeah, I mean, I, for me, I, I think that the sweet spot is around three to five years, mm-hmm. um, and that can sound a little bit daunting when you know you're traditionally used to to one year uh, rolling contracts. But ultimately, if you are truly to invest in you know the the things that uh, are available right now, and there's a lot of technology, a lot of systems that are available, but they come at a cost. Mm. Um, and of course, over the term, and that's the fourth C. Of course, is the cost. Over mm. the term of the contract, those costs actually provide significant uh, you know savings across the, the the contract term. So yeah, for me, three to five years um, is it would be the sweet spot. What what's your experience you mentioned what would you say is the uh the sweet spot <laughs> I mean, I more seen, is more but uh, you know yeah, but, I haven't seen, but i haven't seen a lot of three to five year contracts in the middle east they're typically fu- some are there but you know in uk when you look at the government funded projects or, i mean i wouldn't say government funded project but like the healthcare and some of the other those are typically long term the pfi kind of projects that typically very long term so allows you to sort of without a shadow of a doubt you'd want to get in there and do the technology but i think yes i had put in two to three years as a minimum there has to be a two-year three-year contract otherwise you just spend one year uh, making yourself uh, used to the process and stuff and there is no clear visibility that you would be there in the site the next year so at least a couple of years so you have that visibility that you are there on that site on that contract at least two years is what i would suggest because i think three to five years is going to be a bit hard to find yeah, and it's about being, um, and it might be that you know initially you, you've uh, agreed to two years, but you know, if you really want to do this well and you want to do it properly, um, you know, three years is for me in in in, in my experience is mm. um, probably the starting point if you want to you know dive in head you know at first and do it do it absolutely right. You know, you've, I've been involved in extremes where mm. PPPs. Uh, right. 20 plus year contract terms mm. they're not necessarily a good thing for anyone because you do rely on uh, getting it 1000 percent correct uh, before you even start on day one and yeah. you know you're projecting what the future will look like in 20 plus years there's huh. been a number of organizations that have uh, been slightly hurt from that process so certainly 20 is too much um three to five <laughs> is, is good and i've also been involved in contracts where it's you know like a five plus a four year term and most of the time they go the, the full term uh, because they can right. see the value and once you've reached that five year um the, you know the, the last four years are just uh benefit 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 to the customer um and of course to some extent the service providers so you know why wouldn't you do that but of course you know uh, it does take time and right. yeah, the starting point might be two to three years and then 
you know, over time we can uh, work towards what is even better for everyone. Absolutely, because and again, bearing in mind that we are we are talking about the strategy or probably effective roadmap for for companies that haven't started doing a lot. So you are obviously still not at a stage where you are going to saying that we'll do across the contracts that you are you are managing. But Jita, I had this one question for you. I he- I heard you talking about savings. Uh, you know. When you're starting it for the first time, we have one C to cover, which is cost, and I'll, I'll come to that. But just, mm. just an interesting question. I thought, when you're starting off, let's say you are leading an FM company or you're, you're part of an FM company that hasn't done much with innovation, and they're starting off, would you really have savings at the back of your mind, or would you say that okay, there are some of the other things that I need to find out or demonstrate before we really talk about ROI or savings? Or you would say no, you should have. At least some part of that in mind when you are starting off. Yeah, I mean, I I think um, if you're talking about a very immature um, FM market, then if you're not talking you know, double-digit savings, then I think you're in the wrong game. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, I mean, but ultimately that's the outcome. So you can't just sort of say it's double-digit and then it just magically happens. You need to really work out how to do that. Right. Um, and and it, it doesn't always have to be about innovation and technology. There are actually some very simple things that you can do by integrating services and getting the synergies across services, getting right. the synergies um, across uh, supervision and, and managerial layers that often can be siloed when you think about you know, cleaning, security, engineering and so on. Right. So hmm. that, that that is a very easy way to get uh, some savings. But yeah. Um, then so if you then put on top yep so effectively you're saying that you know even if you're starting off you should have a bit of numbers in mind so that you can evaluate your uh you know whether whether whatever you're trying to do has been successful or not or at least know what to improve so that you can get to that number yeah and if it's generation three four five outsourcing well you know the, the savings opportunities are always going to be reduced but assuming that it's gen 1 gen 2 then uh, they're in at least in my experience really good opportunities for some significant savings the headline is you have to be comfortably being uncomfortable and that means you know really um, looking outside of the way that you've been doing it uh, you know today yesterday and and also the probably the last five or ten years and because if you don't do that then I you know, guess what you're going to get a roots you know surprise when you look at the PL after month one mm. uh, so mm. yeah mm.